0: We are back. Warp and Wolf Radio, RadioNX.TV. at the Cool Group site. We come to you on Wednesdays from 11 to 11.50. Glad to do so. We are sponsored by the Comenius Institute. For those of you on Facebook Live, you actually get to see the stand-up right behind us. And we are uh, here uh, doing three bridges, crossing three bridges. Uh, the first one is in the college arena. I teach at IUPUI as well as meet young Christian college students, helping them to think Christianly about their disciplines, their subjects, their academic streams of interest. Uh, working with not only students, but also faculty there, and great faculty. I have a privilege to be uh, invested in the humanities department there, really grateful to do so. We also cross the bridge into community, which is what we're doing right now, doing uh, through our radio show that we do once a week on Wednesdays. And what we've been doing for the last four years, over 200 episodes, over 200 guests, is having Christians from around Indianapolis who are doing good, based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14, do good, do good, do good. That is our focal point. We're really interested in that. And uh, we'll be introducing you to our guests here in just a moment. And then our third bridge that we cross is into culture. And we do this in lots of different ways. I write and speak in, in lots of different venues. Uh, but every Tuesday, you might be interested in this. We put out something called Truth in Two, uh, which is a Christian truth in two minutes. And you can find that every Tuesday morning. And you can actually subscribe at our YouTube channel. And you can also pick us up at Cominius Institute.org or at my website, That's warpandwoof.org. That's W A R P A N D W O O F.org. Today. We are really pleased to have Eric Cooper here with us from the Stone Table. Eric, thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be real simple because, uh, you know, it's right before Christmas season, and uh, we're both excited for that. <laughs> I suspect that <laughs> what's going on inside of me about that is the same for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us just a little bit about your family. Give us some bio, church info, whatever you'd like to give us. Sure. Uh, so I am uh, married, uh,
1: 25 years this next year. Uh, I've got three kids, uh, 20, almost 21, 18 and 14. And, um, been an Indianapolis guy almost my entire life. I've been born and raised here, spent two and a half years in Nashville, Tennessee for college and, uh, back here. So we're West siders. We to say West side is the best side, Um, (laughs) but, uh, no, uh, started out in the business world. Um, then spent twelve years in full time ministry on staff at a large church as a church planter in mm. urban context, and since twenty twelve now I've been back in the marketplace, um, and I can you know uh, explain more of that. Uh, I guess as we uh, yes. as we talk more today, but yeah, yeah, we'll riff so, on that a little bit. I, yeah. uh, what uh, church were you invested with? So I was on staff at Lakeview Church on the west side, okay. uh, born and raised there, and then we launched a City Community Church in downtown Indy. Um, nice. So that was a, a, a beautiful season of life uh, now connected uh, predominantly predominantly with my brother-in-law's church. Uh, he's in Bloomington. Uh, my daughter's going to be at IU next year. And so we've had a, a deep connection with their, uh, with their church. Uh, so get down there as much as we can when
0: I'm not out on weekends or, or traveling. So, Good. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. I, I just have this immediate connection to church planning because uh, my kids are invested in that. Yeah. So uh, those kinds of things are near and dear to our hearts. Sure. So we're really grateful for the kind of work that you do, but quite frankly, when you say something like the Stone Table, uh, you know, there might be a little bit of disconnect for most sure, people sure. unless they've read about Aslan. <laughs> so, you know, why don't you fill us in on where the name came from?
1: Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a regal sounding name, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know. So um, yeah, it's it's a, uh, uh, a throw to C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia uh, when we. Um, and, and I, I can back up here a little bit with the Stone Table launched in 2015, but really we've been doing what we've been doing since the early 90s mm. uh, through our housing company and giving to missions. But then we, we kind of rebooted and relaunched our missions mm. effort in 2015. And uh, we were looking for, you know, what should we call this thing? What should we name it? And I really wanted to name that, you know, people maybe who were outside of the faith, you know, would go, that's kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but people who really knew. Uh, the story uh, would understand the depth of what we're talking about. So the stone table is the location of Aslan's death and resurrection in the Chronicles of Narnia and um, really was a a call to us on a couple of levels. One is to never forget the gospel centricity of everything we do. So that everything we do is driven by the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. So we wanted to just make sure we we never forgot that. Mm Um, but the second thing is tables are gathering places. And so we are really trying to gather together, uh, marketplace, people, churches, um, you know, people from all walks of life to say, Hey, how, how can we all work together to see the kingdom come and, uh, to see Jesus, uh, proclaimed both in our, our own communities, our own neighborhoods and to the ends of the earth.
0: Yes. Uh, It strikes me to say this because of, uh, you know, our, our concern for the gospel uh, and something that arises on a regular basis on a public university campus, and that is the origin of good and so when we talk about Titus three one eight and fourteen, I always want to remind people that the basis for those verses are titus two eleven to fourteen which is all about Jesus and all about his death and burial and resurrection and coming again. Uh, looking for that blessed hope and the glory superior, appearing that famous line right. um, It's really important that we emphasize this and so it's really uh, good always for a guest to come in and say You know, this is the reason why we do this and the basis for the gospel and so on. Yeah, I was just talking to my daughter about
1: that in a different context, but we were talking about that that verse uh, I think it's in Luke I think It's in Luke where um, you know, one of, the, one of the teachers says to him, you know, good teacher. And he says, well, why do you call me good, right? And, and the essence of that was to say, hey, but good originates with God. Mm-hmm. And, and so we talk about that a lot, really, that, you know, you can't define true goodness uh,
0: without the
1: message of the gospel. Right. You know,
0: so. It's got to be a transcendent source. Right. This is always, uh, I, honestly, it's, it's probably 50% of the conversations I have on campus uh, deal with transcendence. Uh, and the issue of origins and ends, and uh, I think most all of us uh, in a public sphere, let's say for instance, would agree that we know the consequences and results we'd really like to see, right. no matter whether you believe her or right, not. Right, But the origins, that's where we differ, and exactly. we differ big time, like diametrically opposed, exactly. you know, so right. that's a big deal for us.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I think the world is longing for the kingdom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um, really... Don't this everyone the king
0: right you know? <laughs> yes. so um so i think that is where we separate right so. i was just writing uh, one of my truth and twos here coming up we taped them all at once like yeah. we do 12 at a time or something okay. and so i was doing one in handel's messiah mm. and uh, the idea that uh, what was it 1743 that king george ii stood up and uh, everybody you know when you're a king everybody's got to stand up with you kind of okay. thing and and now, you know, it's tradition, but isn't it amazing? I mean, right before the Hallelujah Chorus, you've got that section that comes in the Messiah about, uh, right out of Psalm 2, mm. where the nations will rage, you know, and, and the, mm. basically the kings raise their fists against God, and he laughs at them. Right. One of the few times in Scripture where God is said <laughs> to laugh, but it's in derision, you know, and you're right, you know, people don't want the king. No, no, but they want all of the goodness that comes with it, in essence, right? No. So.
1: So, you know, again, Stone Table was just our reminder of gospel centrality and everything, that that that's what drives us.
0: Yeah, that's really huge. So uh, tell us about this thing about entrepreneurs, because, you know, quite frankly, I I don't know. We we talk about this, you know, maybe you'll see something on LinkedIn about entrepreneurialism, but do people really understand what an entrepreneur is and what they do? (laughs) I'm not sure I understand what an entrepreneur
1: (laughs) is. You know, I'm in essence living in. Uh, The second generation of uh, some some beautiful entrepreneurial passion uh, of of my father and some other people. And so, you know, I always like to tell his story uh, in in this context. I mean, really, we started from a housing company, an affordable housing company. So when I was growing up, my my dad was uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, tell, tell people he was a serial entrepreneur, uh, which is a lot better than other serial things your father could be, right? Um, but, you know, uh, he, he started out in, in, in a CPA firm, probably the most stable, you know, basic job you could have, and then mm-hmm. just started getting around other businesses and started thinking, I can, I can do this, right? And so when I was a kid, I never really knew what to tell people my dad did for a living. And so he would, uh, you know, he was in the nursing home business, he was in the restaurant business, he had uh, you know, a number of different investments here and there, hmm. and uh, had sold out of those things in the early 90s and was kind of looking for that next iteration of what you know, what he wanted to do. And he came from a pastor's home, pastor's family, and uh, yet he found himself in the business world. And so um, he and a real estate developer friend and then the retiring pastor of our church kind of got together and started processing you know, how could we launch a business that would, the business itself, we could use to express the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then with the overflow, we could invest in new kingdom initiatives, right? But when when you're talking about that issue of entrepreneurship, I think that's really what I always come back to. I always told people, my dad, um, what what you have with a lot of people in this world are people who can generate ideas, left mm-hmm. right? I mean, people sit around bed, they write things down or they talk about, you know, one day I want to do X or, mm-hmm. um, but a true entrepreneur, my dad had this, just had the ability to go, all right, let's, let's do it, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. to take nothing and turn it into something. And so I think we all have that drive, uh, to create and to, to express the image of God that's been stamped on us. But I think they say only about 8% of us, less than 10% are truly entrepreneurial you know so I'm kind of living in the wake of that to be honest with you but yeah it is fascinating to see this resurgence I think um of how
0: entrepreneurship and business and business development can be used for the kingdom you know both at home and around the world so so tell us about how the stone table works I mean I really you've said some things about affordable housing yeah Uh, we can talk maybe later on about the issue of location but sure let's start with uh what is it that you do? What what gets <laughs> produced out of this thing? Yeah. Sure, sure. So uh,
1: I'll give you the the, the three-minute version here. But right. in, in in the early 90s, so it was my father, a real estate developer friend of ours, and our retiring pastor. Um, our, our pastor was retiring. He was going to go into full-time fundraising for missions work. Hmm. And uh, this was right after the fall of the Berlin Wall. So the whole Eastern Bloc had opened up. All of you know, the USSR was becoming you know, accessible really mm-hmm. for the first time uh, in a long time. And mm-hmm. so he had this passion to take the gospel into these areas. And so he was going to retire from Lakeview, uh, Tom Paino, Pastor Tom Paino, he was going to retire from Lakeview and he was going to head out and, uh, and start raising money to train leaders, build schools, launch, you know, churches into this area of the world. And so I always tell people we, we grew up under his leadership and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we, we, we slow baked in the great commission. Um, I mean we just we, we did I mean it's just the flags of the nations so and we had there was a giant globe in our in our uh, lobby auditorium at the church and so we just it was just constant you know and of course my dad would tell you he grew up in a pastor's home hmm. missionaries would stay with them you know he'd have to sleep on the floor so the missionary could sleep in their bed And so these guys were really saying "Well, what could we do to help our pastor could we, could we launch a business, in essence, that would help our pastor with his global fundraising, you know, for, for missions? And so that was the, the drive, and then the opportunity emerged in affordable housing. So in the early 90s, um, there was a, a program that the, the government had launched to, to in essence, incentivize nonprofits to buy affordable housing from for-profit developers who had built them in 60s, 70s, early 80s. And a lot of them had fulfilled their commitments to the government. And they were saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to pull out of the program. Uh, all these folks are going to have to move out. We're going to upgrade the amenities, put in swimming pools. And, and the government was like, well, we intended these to be affordable. But they fulfilled their commitment. So they started incentivizing nonprofits to get into the business. And so these guys saw an opportunity at that point in time to say, hey, look, we could, we could utilize these programs to start acquiring uh, these apartments. So we can help fulfill a social need. Um, and we can, you know, use our business acumen to actually make an impact on affordable housing here. And then from day one with the company, they said at the end of every year, half of our profits will go back into developing the housing company. Half of our profits will go to our pastor for his missions, fundraising efforts. Mm-hmm. They started that in 92 and they had no money. I mean, literally had, you know, you know, borrowed money on an equity line on Private house to start a nonprofit, you know, like it just crazy stuff that entrepreneurs do, and um, you know, and and from day one they've given half of whatever was left over to the work of God around the world, and so we've tried to continue doing that. So, my pastor that I was telling you about mm-hmm. is ninety five years old today. Oh, my God. Hmm. He today, and his wife today, today, today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He just retired from our board last year, uh, and I teased him. I said, "I said, why are you retiring? You know, you're going to outlive me. Right? You know? <laughs> I tell him the chariot's just going to sweep down and pick you up." Yeah, and take exactly it yeah. um, he and his wife are still married. They just celebrated their 75th anniversary. Oh, uh, but uh, just just a real hero of mine, uh, as are my dad and, uh, and some of the other leaders that helped us uh, get this started. But. Tom finally said in 2015, even though he was on our board, he said, "You know, I think I need to
2: think about slowing down."
1: A bit. <laughs> and uh, he was still traveling. He'd been in, you know, Cuba, Spain. I mean, the guy's just amazing. But so we said, "Look, you know, uh, let's take the heartbeat of our former pastor and let's relaunch, rebrand, rename." So. What we started doing with the stone table was channeling our dollars towards missions, so it became our missions arm. So we have our housing arm, we have our missions arm. We said, you know, we didn't want to just give this money away alone. I mean, we want to we want to partner with other people. So we started partnering with with churches, with other businesses, Mm -hmm. and uh, taking you know our profits and leveraging them with others so we could do more together. So we we have continued to be a missions fundraising organization. But then I also wanted to say, how do we serve those people in, uh, you know, in those churches, in those businesses? And so this whole issue of vocation calling uh, theology of work, uh, we were talking before we went on the air here that, you know, I did not grow up in an environment um, that ever talked about. Right. They, they talked about what we could do with the money, which is important, but they never talked about the work itself. How is the work itself part of God's work in the world? So we said, look, we can continue to raise money, but then we can serve those that were raising money together with the pastors, the business guys, and so we became kind of backfilled into to becoming a you know a, an encouragement, an educator, mm-hmm. just kind of a champion in our stream for the faith and work discussion. So that's what Stone Table does: we give money to missions, we do it together, we serve the greater church in this arena of mm-hmm. faith and work, and just try to push the gospel
0: uh, forward wherever we're at. So. You know, there's so many things to pick up on and what you've just suggested there. I'll probably start with this one because my mom's listening. She has, my mom is going on 85 here and she's, I can just hear her saying to me, see, he's 95 and he's still (laughs) just doing really good. So, hey mom, there you go. Uh, That's right. My mom and the coterie of her uh, group out there listen to this show. So we're grateful to hear those kinds of things. That's great. But then, then the backup and, I've never heard anybody use the phrase slow baked and gospel," <laughs> So that's, that's a whole, maybe we should just have you back on the show another time and talk about that. But <laughs> I, I wanted to get to, to the real issue of what you all are about, which is uh, honestly, it really sounds like you're developing a profit to create, to help nonprofits. So can you kind of separate that out a little bit for me and for us? Um, how do you create profit for nonprofits well I mean I I guess for us it's
1: it's maybe a little simpler than that we are a nonprofit housing company but that was just because that was the opportunity that emerged at at the time we could have done this as a for-profit but the idea was you know to create business for mission so in essence the the dividend or whatever the profit that gets created um you know, unfortunately for my kids, doesn't go into a trust fund, you know, for them. It, it goes into, or, or maybe it goes into a kingdom trust fund. We could have that conversation, okay. right? But, uh, but you know, we, we said those dollars are going to be then invested into strategic kingdom initiatives. So for us, it was, initially, it was just a way to to use business as a way to generate funds that we could give to strategic missions projects uh, around the world that we felt were, you um, you know, important to the work of God. And so now we've shifted some of our endeavors. I told you my, my former pastor, he was huge on schools, training pastors, launching churches. We've shifted into this business as mission arena. And so we are investing in uh, really, say a lot of the unreached places in the world, places you can't send missionaries, you can't send traditional, you can't get traditional visas, all that kind of stuff. But you can go with entrepreneurship, you can go with business development. And I'm not talking about business as a front. I'm talking about, full-fledged real functioning businesses you hire locals you make a you're adding value to the local community and uh and then through those mechanisms the gospel is is channeled so that was kind of our heartbeat was to say how do we create a for uh, a non-profit but how do we create a profit center yes so we're in the housing business right so we make right. our money off of um you know leases and management fees and you know development fees you know all that kind of stuff and so Um, you know, we're using that model and then we're channeling those dollars both back into affordable housing and
0: into some of these missions endeavors. Sure, yeah. Uh, It sounds like a a fantastic opportunity and one that we want to continue to talk about. Uh, We're ending here in our first segment. We're going to take a one-song break. When we come back, we can talk a little bit more about the work and the vocational issues and that direction that y'all are taking. You're listening to Warp and Move Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site, and we come to you on Wednesdays from 11 to 11.50. Glad to do so here with Eric Cooper from The Stone Table in our first segment, talking about what they do and the the focus of their particular nonprofit. When we come back in the second segment, after a one-song break, we'll be talking about the issue of work and business and vocation and how everything that we do, no matter what it is, is for ministry. We'll be right back. Great. So we are still on live, Facebook Live. Thanks for sticking in there with us, Facebook Live folks. Grateful for your Presence, the radio section gets cut off. So uh, our tech guy, what he does is he takes uh, what we do on Facebook Live and he reinserts it into an iTunes thing. Cool. So uh, later on, when that all comes out, uh, you can dice it up any way you want. You can say, you know, take three minutes. Say I've said this really well. I don't think (laughs) I've said this really well before. So here it is. You know, Uh, tell a story about your dad or your pastor or whatever. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate that. So you've been doing this for a while. Four years. Yeah, and here's the man right here because he got me into it. So yeah, he's he's so fluffy. he's just so fluffy. <laughs>
1: well, he's just got cool written all over his face. Oh, absolutely. Here, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got the you got the little goatee going here. no, we twins Yeah, I no, spend yeah, most of
0: my <laughs> time in the south of Wales <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm his white twin. He's yeah. my black. Friend. Yeah, rather than Yeah, we, yeah. Just, we just think alike.
1: That's mm-hmm. great. When did you guys meet
2: him? Uh, actually, I met him on this format. Uh, in the first time sure. I, I heard him in an interview, I just said, hey, man, you need to do this. You know, create your creature own show. He was just, you know, because I've been doing it almost nine years. Wow. Uh, I celebrated nine years in May and uh, built my show off of community consciousness, community awareness, sure. picking the cause, and then let's go deep into it. Most yeah. of the time, we're just, <laughs> you know, right. And, and we got stuff way under here sure. to, to pull up so people sure. can help with and understand. That's so cool. First time I heard him talking about his mission and what he was doing, I was sitting up in the corner from just producing the show. And I said, man, this cat can talk.
1: <laughs> he, he needs a show. And Ten days later, we were on the air. I was going to say, I like that. I mean, I, I you know I just walked back in from the restroom and boom, you were talking, right? Like we were ready to go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep.
2: And, and so I think it was what, what leads, uh, I think, most of the credibility to what we do is just everyday people talking about yeah. situations that just don't get discussed cool. uh, in depth and people are intrigued about they want sure. To no sure. They more. Sure. They want to know more, but I don't want to be, I'm too proud to ask the question. It might seem like a simple question, but if yeah. I can sit back and listen, I and can, learn can learn a lot. So... Found out that this is a very, very good learning tool uh, and, and a good way to put information that's not popular out. I work with autism. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing an awareness piece on autism. Awesome. Because, uh, there's such a discrepancy of African Americans in understanding mm. what autism is, what sure. resources are, what school do I take my kid to, yeah. do I apply for Medicaid to get this one on one, all of that stuff. There. Yeah. So, uh, starting that initiative and I don't care if the rest of the world doesn't, but man, we've got some families now tuned in sure. that are into knowing about this autism initiative. And yep. it's like if it looks like it's in the thirty people. We're gonna turn those 30, yeah. we don't give those thirty
1: people some juice some some to live on. Yes. So so yeah. Well technology and you know social media and stuff's just giving us so many opportunities, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh well just in the four years we've been doing this, this wasn't even part of our yeah. We would just you we know have people listening to us on the radio. Sure. And then within about a two-year period all this video and, and face real time, real space, right. real faces with the voices. Oh, man, we had to catch up. Sure. And I was reluctant. They're not going to listen if you let them watch. But I said, okay, you lose, HB. You lose on this So okay. go get some cameras in this time, you know, making people be able to see. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, but it's ongoing, and I just love it because it's never stale. I mean, you're learning something new in in this world. Yeah, weekly, daily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're getting ready to put together some videos. So I just found out there's some animated software where you can actually talk into a computer, into the computer, and it creates your cartoon graphics.
1: Oh yeah. that You want by. My, my kids love doing this.
2: <laughs> I said I'm just I'm done
1: now. Yeah, they'll they'll Facetime me and they'll they'll be a giraffe or they'll be a, you know <laughs> like a cartoon giraffe. That's great.
2: So I'm not looking for a graphic artist, you know, old school and stuff. And lo and behold, on my Facebook page, Looney Inc. or Inkers, <laughs> and it just told me everything I needed to know about creating my own cartoon graphics. It I said this is too much.
1: That's too great. Much. Mm, too much. That's too great. Much. Wow. Yeah, the opportunities are amazing today um, yeah. yeah we keep pushing this down the road just to talk to people who are interested in what you
0: know yeah because they're <laughs> really looking for
2: what you. they want yeah. to know about yeah
0: right yeah. right and that's why today for instance when uh, i put this up this morning i tagged some of our mutual friends mm-hmm. and i did that because you know they know both of us in some way or another Yeah. And in that way, it kind of gets spreads the word further. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Facebook Live will be archived, and it'll come out, and you can push it wherever you want. Yeah. The iTunes thing, same thing. That's great. But this is internet radio, so it operates a lot differently. You know, it's not terrestrial where you just turn on the thing and it's there. So you really have to push. You have to do it on your own. Yeah. But you know, getting people in here from around—I mean, it's just huge. And there's so many. Good Christian folk doing good things. Right. I don't have any laptop. <laughs> I'm trying to remember
2: who even got this connected. Or and, a gotcha.
0: and we are back. Warp and Move Radio, radio Next.tv at the Cool Group site. Thanks for joining us here today. We're here with Eric Cooper. In our first segment, what we did was talk about the Stone Table and that great nonprofit and what they do with affordable housing and getting. Uh, money to missions, all kinds of great stuff. In the second segment, uh, Eric and I are going to talk a little bit more about vocation and work, the theology of work, uh, the importance of that. Uh, This is just uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, Mm -hmm. obviously to yours as well. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Uh, Just kind of give us a a snapshot, a thumbnail Mm -hmm. sketch, pick a metaphor of how you uh, talk about theology of work and why that's important to you.
1: Yeah, well, I think you got to go back to, to how it started for me, and you got to understand I've been both in the marketplace and in full time ministry, right? So I've seen both sides of the equation. But the story I always like to tell: I grew up going to church camp. So I grew up; uh, our church camp was at Lake Placid Conference Center in, in uh, Alexandria, just outside of uh, Alexandria, um, uh, on the, in Northern Indiana. And uh, you know, it seemed like every every night of church camp had a theme. You know, there's salvation, sanctification. Such. We always culminated mm-hmm. with called into ministry. Now. Mm-hmm. And so the evangelist would preach a message on what it means to be called into full-time ministry. And then he would say, who here feels like God has called them into full-time ministry? About 8%, 10% of the kids would raise their hands, right? And then they would all be called down to the front. And then the rest of us would come forward and we would all lay our hands on and pray for those who were called into full-time ministry. And then we would go back to our seats, Like 10% of us called and the rest of us, I mean, we actually would say, you know, somebody would say to me, hey, did, are you called? Are you called? And I would say, no, I'm just going into secular work, right? <laughs> I didn't get the call, I just went right. into secular work. And, and I don't think anyone was trying to give us bad theology mm-hmm. in those moments, because there is something unique and special about the ecclesiastical call to, you know, vocational church leadership, yep. missionary ministry. So, you know, the, the the conversation for me is not about diminishing that. That is a high calling. Right. It is about helping the other 90% realize <laughs> <There it is.
2: laughs> that they
1: have a call as well. And so I think that's that was the genesis for me, was just kind of looking back on my life, being both out and in and then out of ecclesiastical ministry, and then going, gosh, now I'm back in the marketplace. Does this mean that I, mean, I give up my my call, you know, and to realize that really, you know, God has called me to the same thing. I used to work in a church context, now I work in a business context, but who I am and what He's asked of me has not changed.
0: Yeah, yeah. so this is just fantastic, I and I, I I have to say, my heart goes out to those 90%, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just ache for folks right. who think they have no place someplace, you know, right. and that's just so sad, um, but of course now... Obviously, this is just kind of mushroomed and blown and up uh, in many, many good ways. So talk about how you approach it at the stone table. What are the things you talk about? What are the, the, uh, the messages that you drive? Maybe maybe the programmatic methodological process that you go through to, to get the message out.
1: Sure. Well, we're doing a lot you know, with the Internet, and I can tell you kind of where we're going long term because we've got some big plans and some things that are in process right now um, that I hope a couple years down the road are are uh, robust and developed but you know we're doing a lot with uh, you know at the stonetable.org we've got a resource page uh, we do videos blogs every week we're just trying to get you know that conversation started I say within our tribe because it's not that the the church at large hasn't had a theology of Faith and work. I mean, we can go all the way back to the Reformation, Martin Luther. You know, even before, right? I mean, yeah. we can we we can see where that conversation's been. But the, the tribe I grew up in, which is basically Midwestern evangelical Christianity, mm. I just didn't grow up hearing this, right? And, and so it, it was it was really interesting. Uh, one of our church partners had me uh, speak, and uh, I went and I'm I just kind of tiptoeing into to these waters and just knew what the Lord was speaking to me. So I talked about faith and work and how God has a calling on all of us, whether you're, I always like to say, whether you're a brain surgeon or you sweep floors at a local fast food restaurant, all of it can be done to the glory of God and the love of our fellow man. And these people were coming up to me after the service and they are just they just weeping. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I say? You know, I thought maybe I had you know, spoken some heresy or something, you know, people were upset with me. And, and what I realized was there was just this deep longing in the hearts of believers that feel like that in essence you know we talk about the bifurcated life right you know that, that we have our our sacred space over here and our secular space over here and really partitioned off right like I use the the analogy of the lunch tray you know the old lunch tray from middle school that had all the little pockets so that you know the food and it all stayed in its proper place right um, and that's the way we see our I think our lives as believers and so so we, we talk about that a lot we, we talk about how our work has a place in God's great story, how our, you know, the the meta-narrative of Scripture that our work every day is actually a part of the great story that God has been writing since the beginning of time. You mentioned origins and endings, right, at the the beginning of our conversations. So we talk about the great story. We talk about the great commandment that our work every day, whatever we do, is an opportunity to honor God and love our fellow man, Mm -hmm. right? And that whatever you do, whether it, you're passionate about it or you hate it right if you go to work with that in mind uh, you can find you know sacred redemption in your everyday work and then we talk about our work in the great commission how how are you how is your life and your work impacting the proclamation of the gospel so we live it out we proclaim it right and and so that that's kind of the context that we talk about working our great story working our great com- in the great commandment work in the great
0: commission so yeah. Those are really good things. Yeah. The ideas, of course, of this, uh, they're woven, I think, through the fabric of our lives, and we don't even realize it. And perhaps this is the reason why folks came up to you weeping because, yeah. Yeah. you know, hey, this has been a part of my life, who I am, at yeah. work, and nobody's ever said this to me before. Right. You know, and they they perhaps, to some degree or another, have felt left out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, marginalized.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. That their giftings and how God made them and wired them yeah. uh, only have a place maybe, you know, uh, to work in the nursery at church or sing mm-hmm. on the worship team or park cars, which again, all of those things, yeah. I, I'm, I always want to make sure because I have a lot of pastor friends, right? Like we're not, we're not downgrading those things, right. but yeah. you know, 2000 hours a year, you know, half of our waking hours are spent right. at work doesn't that have something to do
0: with the work of God in the world as well? Right, right. I think you said it so well just a moment ago when you said, you know, here's this work here. We just want to raise everybody exactly. else up
2: to the same one. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You know, and one of my good friends, a uh, pastor that travels with us and uh, has done uh, some incredible work with us overseas, uh, he had me down to speak at his church a couple years ago. And I'll never forget when he introduced me, he said, you uh, Introduced my friend Eric Cooper, and he said, Before I do that, I want to apologize to all of you. Mm-hmm. He said, Because it has never even occurred to me mm-hmm. to talk about where you spend half of your waking hours a wow. while, right? And so I think there is an awakening, and people are realizing, Hey, uh, the marketplace is part of God's work in the world, um, and uh, it can be a sacred, beautiful
0: part yeah. of seeing God's kingdom built, you know, yes. to the ends of the earth. Right. So. And that everybody can share in that in one form or another is really crucial, I think, yeah. for all of us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my little sister right now. You know, she lives in Denver. Uh, she is a uh, person who does sign language, so she's yeah. bilingual. Uh, she works in a public school setting, you know, and here she is being able to help people transfer knowledge that they wouldn't be able to get in any other way unless there was a translator or interpreter. 100%. I mean, think about the implications of of that kind of life, and that's just one person that we're talking about. Yeah. And now we have to talk about everybody. You know, whatever it is that you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. One of my favorite books on the topic is uh, uh, Keller's book, uh, "Every Good Endeavor," mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and of course Tim Keller can, you know, expound on any topic and i would probably read the book right but you know uh, keller talks about our work as a partnership with god right and he says you know why why didn't god just create streets and buildings and you know uh communities and businesses why you know why why did he just kind of create all of the raw materials and and he says because it's it's our job we were stamped with the image of god and we are in the world to partner with him to Develop cultures in communities and to become the expression of his kingdom in the world, right? And when you think about when you think about your work in that context, again, whether you're a brain surgeon or you sweep floors. You know, I had, the, I had the most beautiful encounter a few years ago at the Atlanta airport. We were flying back. We were on the last flight out of Atlanta back to India. It was like 1130 at night. There's hardly anybody in the airport, which you've been to the Atlanta airport. It's oh, yeah. very strange. That's right? unusual. Yeah, we were sitting at the gate. And we were we were watching, I think, an NBA game on the screen. We were waiting for our flight. And uh, this this woman comes along. She's humming, singing, and she's she's sweeping under all the chairs. And she comes right up to us. And we're like, you know, do you need us to move? You know, I mean, we don't want to be in your way. And she's just so sweet, so beautiful. She told us, no, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just wrapping up here. And she, she told us a story about how she found earlier that day, found a, a bag in uh in, by one of the seats that someone had accidentally left there. And she said, she took it to Lost and Found, and she said, I was so concerned about, you know, whether this person was gonna know. So she said, I took the phone number off of the bag, and she said, I called them on the phone. This lady sweeps the floors, right? Nice. Called them on the phone. So she's just telling us about her day, right? Just as sweet as ever, and she walked away. And uh, I, I thought, I gotta talk to this lady. So I chased her down the hall, <laughs> scared to live in daylights out of her, right? I, I bet. But I, I told her, I said, I want you to know, like, tonight, like, you partnered with God mm-hmm. to take care of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't care if you're sweeping floors or if you're doing brain surgery, right? Like, all of, all of us have the opportunity to partner with God every day mm-hmm. in big ways, in small
0: ways, um, to, to, to love our fellow man right. through our work. It's, it's phenomenal. And that's such a great story. It, you know, you keep mentioning brain surgery and I have to tell you, <laughs> I have yeah. to tell you there's only one name that ever pops up when I think about this. And that's Dr. Ben Carson. Mm. You know, and talk about affordable housing, you know, sure. he's, he's obviously invested in HUD right now, a very important yeah. person. Uh, but this is what he used to do for a living. You know, the man's brilliant. Uh, so that kind of thing along with your, a focal point on this sure. uh, lady who was taking care of a bag it's beautiful' It's yeah. beautiful yeah. yeah and it doesn't really matter I I often tell people uh, that I'm really concerned that we have more uh, bartenders as Christians hmm. um, you know I think we need more Christian bartenders hmm. because what what better place might there be than to have this interaction with people that you might actually be helpful in some sense with them
1: well you know it's funny we're seeing that even in some of the businesses mission projects that we engage in around the world is the business models these entrepreneurs are utilizing right. are our business models that are aimed at creating connection relationships right. with people. Right. You know, business English schools. I mean, if you go into some of these countries and you help them learn English they move up the socioeconomic ladder so fast, yes. right? But in that context you're building relationships. I mean, CrossFit gyms yes. are working huge, huge because of the community connections relationships, right? So, um, beauty salons, we're mm-hmm. talking about bartenders, but beauty salons, you're sitting there cutting somebody's hair oh. for, for a half hour, 45 minutes, yeah. they tend to open up to you, they tend sure. to share their lives with you. Yeah. And, and I don't think we realize um, how the relationships that get created through business, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, because business really is about connecting people together, right? I mean, I, I have a skill, you have a need, or you have a skill, I have a need, right? And it
0: brings us together in relationship. there's so many opportunities for the gospel in in, in the marketplace. It strikes me to say this, too, along with your good comments, that I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter 4 and the importance of God has given us pastor-teachers. Who is to say that the pastoral ministry of a woman sweeping the floors or the brain surgeon is not also pastoral? I mean, what is a pastor? A pastor is a shepherd, somebody who leads the flock. Who cares and tends for the needs of that particular group of leaders? I've told people
1: multiple times over. You know, they, they they'll ask me, you know, how does this transition back into the marketplace? Because CRF Affordable Housing is our housing company, and then the Stone Table is our missions work, right? And so, I'm, on any given day, I'm on both sides of the, uh, the equation. But they say, did you have a bit of an identity crisis, right? When you went, when you left pastoring and went back into into housing? I I thought about that for a while, and I thought, and I thought, you know. My, my spiritual gift hasn't shifted or changed, right? But the same way I was responding in my ecclesiastical role in the local church, I brought that same pastoral heart yes. to what we do, that same empathy, that same desire to move people along, to care for people. And I, I think I think you're exactly right. Those spiritual gifts um, are, are for use in the church, but the church. Gathered and the church scattered, right? You know, I think we've got to we've got to see yeah. that God stamps us with unique gifts and, and abilities to be used in our church communities and
0: In our everyday work. It's it's also important to also say this that um, that passage in Ephesians chapter 4 is uh, Gender nonspecific mm-hmm. so that is that, that that it's not just men. It's not just women. It's everyone yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter um, where you come from in that sense of things it's, yeah. it's very powerful stuff. I tell people one of my I think I'm up to 169 mantras now uh, one of them <laughs> one of them is the creator created creatures who creatively create from creation ah. And so our focal point of course is it doesn't matter what it is the gift is, but we're constantly creating from that giftedness you know and that's just huge for us. Yeah, and I
1: think to understand that we've all, we all carry the image of God Almighty, right? Like we carry his image, but we don't all have the same giftings and expressions of that image, right? Right. And we all have to come together to
0: create this beautiful tapestry of the kingdom. That's right. And so the the emphasis is always one of uh, looking for the need and seeing what it is. Mm -hmm. Tell us... uh, We've got about seven or eight minutes left. Tell us about the need issue because it's obvious, I'm sure, that you see things around us or perhaps around the world that the rest of us don't see in terms of need. Tell us about maybe one or two of
1: those needs that you see. Well, yeah, let me tell you about one local here and then one global. I mean, just again, from our context, um, we just uh, stepped into, the. assisted living business but it's the affordable assisted living business and so what we realized uh, some people that uh, are smarter than me helped me realize uh, was that there was a huge need for assisted living facilities Mm -hmm. in the affordable vein you know most people can't afford five six thousand dollars a month for assisted living services so they either end up living with family maybe longer than the family's really capable of caring for them or they end up in institutional nursing care which is not always the best living environments, right? So there was this kind of middle in the market. And so with our experience in affordable housing, we were approached by some people that were kind of blending a couple of programs together. There's about 10 states around uh, the country that can do this. But we stepped into the affordable assisted living uh, business about three years ago, opened our first one in Lafayette, and uh, opened our second Mm -hmm. one just in Plainfield a month ago. Wow. Um, And they're called Glasswater Creek. Glasswater Um, Creek. And again, Glasswater Creek came from... If you look at the map at the back of the Chronicles of Narnia, it's another ode to Lewis because the Glasswater Creek is the body of water that originates near the stone table. Okay? So that's where we came up with the name, right? That's great. Um, but uh, just had our one year anniversary at the Mafia, and my father, who still still comes to work every day, uh, can't get him to retire. Um, that's great. But uh, he went up for the, for the opening and again, uh, residents. This one gentleman came up to me. He was weeping. Said, right. "I've never lived in any place like this before." Mm-hmm. He was living in an apartment that ended up being condemned. By himself, had no relationships, oh. and uh, was down to about a hundred pounds. Oh, had lost his desire to live. Right. So uh, now he's put on thirty pounds. Rides a bike. Stops smoking. And he's the head of the uh, the neighborhood association <laughs> That's so in cool. in uh, the community. <laughs> right. So you look at that and you look at the business itself, right? And you say, look, we we make money by serving people. That's right. what we do, right? right? By adding value to the lives of others. Yeah. So those are some of the needs we're seeing on the housing side, especially with the frail elderly and are happy that we have a business model. And on the global front, I'd say what drives us, what drives us is there are 3 billion people on planet Earth that have no access really to the gospel i mean there are are three billion people 42 percent of the world's population that could be born live and die without ever hearing the name of jesus right so you want to talk about need that is a need that keeps us up at night right and so when we talk about how we're going to leverage the marketplace to reach the unreached you know somewhere between six and seven thousand people groups around the world um, and so, when we realize that the marketplace and business and entrepreneurial development can be used not only to meet physical needs, like I said, we're going in with these businesses and these business models, and we're adding real value to these people's lives, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just become a, a mechanism for the gospel to be preached, and uh, and we're seeing that happen in beautiful
0: ways. So I would say, you know, local and global; those are the two things that pop into my head. Yeah, no, and, those are fantastic. The issues that surround us, really, as Christians, are if we truly are given to the gospel message, and it's really important to us. Obviously, the global issue—we're there, yeah. right, 100%. Yeah. For those of us who have been engaged in the process of uh, taking care of elderly mm. uh, family members, yeah. and you know, I'm thinking about my mother-in-law who lived with us for seven years. We were, and to your point, and a good word to use, incapable of caring for her any longer in our home, and now she's in a facility, Mm -hmm. and so it's nice that it's only five minutes away, and we can go see her all the time and all that, but, you know, I see this constantly all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, here are these people who have no one who cares about them. It's not care for them, but cares about them as people.
1: Yeah, it's... um... It's a little overwhelming, right? Yeah. I mean, and we get to see the brokenness of sin and its mm-hmm. impact on our world in both global and local contexts. Yes. And uh, so it, it, it is, and, and I mean, you know, we put ourselves out there as a faith based organization, which is always scary because we're far from perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, far from perfect. But uh, our heart really is to use the marketplace. And I think, really, in all honesty, Good business is just about helping people and adding value to other people's lives. Right? We've got this picture of business in the marketplace as you know, Gordon Gecko from Wall Street, right? And greed is good and it's just how much can I get for myself from you? That's not what business is. That's what that's what sin has done Mm -hmm. to the marketplace, maybe. But business is about serving others, about two people coming with less and leaving with more. I, I think it's just it's, it's what the marketplace is about and what we need to as Christians get back to championing that the marketplace can be a beautiful expression for the gospel and um, you know again whatever you do for
0: a living it can be it's a sacred thing it is that it's a sacred thing somebody asked me recently uh, if I could boil down uh, the Christian message and I said I, I can tell you Christianity in one word and that's others yeah and it's a focal point I mean you think about what is Jesus said quotes, Leviticus 19, and he says, you love God and you love others, but you know that you love God by your love for others. So, you know, I can see it in your eyes, you know, that your love for God is emanating from your love for other people. Cool. And one of, one of the great things, uh, you know, for your family is to see the kind of work that you do and the, the uh, testimony, I think, for, for generations. And then to, for your dad, you know, it's just so cool. That your dad still comes. It means a lot, and uh, you
1: know, I, was like, I still got value to add. What am I going yeah, to do all day? You know, yeah, exactly. sit around and and think about myself, right? right? I mean, so I think you're you're so right. I mean, as long as we've got value to add to others, mm-hmm. that is the orientation of right. Christian life. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks ever so much for Thank sharing you. your Thanks testimony much. and the opportunity to do this. And you know, It's an honor. And when we come back uh, from the archive and, uh, you know, the iTunes bit, I'll make sure to, to send that out to you so you know Thank where you. to get it, all those good things. You've been listening to Warp and Radio, radio next to TV at the Cool site. And we come to you on Wednesdays, but for the next four, we're not going to be. We're going to take a break for a month. Actually, I'm going to be out visiting family, like a lot of you are as well. And then the first uh, full week of January, I'll be teaching on the East Coast. So, Uh, I won't be coming back to you until the 15th of January, but uh, we're already setting up some folks uh, for that time. Looking forward to the opportunities of a new year in 2020. Thanks ever so much for joining us in 2019. Four years coming up on February, over 200 episodes, over 200 Mm -hmm. guests. So pleased to have been doing this for uh, all of this time. And with my brother, Harold H.B. Bell, (laughs) grateful for him and for his life producer for this show. Josh Collingwood, who does all the work behind the scenes. Thank you ever so much for all the work you do. Blessings to you all. Thanks ever so much for this year and blessings on the holidays as well. We'll see you back in 2020.